Eddie Jones. Hello, sir. You look peculiar tonight. I'm wearing a winter coat. <laughs> well, <laughs> that's not that unusual, given you're a cold-blooded Canadian. It's unusual at the end of April, however. Yeah. I got rained on a lot today. What is with our weather? The weather has been extremely rainy, and so I just feel damp. You know, you just feel cold right to your very bones. You're talking to somebody who's raised in Scotland. Yes. So I feel like that. And I haven't been able to actually get my body heat to a place where I feel okay. So now I'm wearing a winter coat inside. And you also haven't been eating. That's true. That could have something to do with it. That's true. You're giving your stomach a break. I am. Uh, it's up for debate whether my gallbladder is doing something interesting or whether I have some sort of tummy virus or something, but I'm, um, I'm, finding eating painful so i haven't been eating very much so you've been on a broth that's probably making me cold too right i would imagine so i was more alluding to the fact that we're recording this podcast on a saturday night not a sunday we are and that's because we've had a fairly interesting week and an incredibly busy weekend and we realized tomorrow is killer busy yeah there's no way that we'd be able to record a podcast tomorrow night so we moved it forward tonight we did let's talk about let's talk about today uh today we had abby's birthday party our 10 year old who yes. turned 10 on Tuesday. Yeah. How many little children do we have at our house? Uh, 15, I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How long did I last at the party? Oh, I think you made about a 15 minute appearance. Yeah. And that was just cutting up ice cream cake. Yeah. But you used your muscles for good. There for was, God's mission. There was a lot of estrogen. There was. Oh my there Lord. There was. But we were supposed to have it outside, of course. We were supposed to have it at a park. But then we had torrential rain. Torrential rain. And so we so, moved indoors. So um, I would like to thank the makers of We for the Just Dance game because it saved my bacon today. Mm-hmm. We basically just had dance competitions for two hours. Which is why I pretty much was nowhere to be seen. Turns out, though, that the Just Dance competitions are much less painful than listening to karaoke. <laughs> yeah, we had both. Dancing <laughs> A little and bit of both and the dancing much easier to tolerate. So there you go. And then this week was the penultimate week of the school. It was. You know, most people don't use that word, and so they probably don't actually realize that penultimate means, like, next to last. I hope it does. I've been using it for years, and I hope that's what it means. Jeff and Becky were in first year, and me and you were in second year, and True. apparently we all covered the same material. Isn't that funny? It was It was my favorite week of the year this week. Really? Yep. I loved being with the second years. Yeah. I think because we taught a little bit, and then we discussed a whole lot. Yeah. And I'm I'm like, I love that format. I love um, teaching second year anyway, because it, it is a smaller group and you feel like you get to know them better and you do get to do like that kind of open discussion stuff. I think that's right. awesome. Yeah. yeah. It was amazing. Yeah. And then this week was just richly full of meetings for both work and pleasure. And we loved it. Yep. We got to catch up with friends and all that kind of stuff. So I feel full. Mm-hmm. And then tomorrow we have an action-packed day. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. But I realized by the end of tomorrow, we're not going to feel like podcasting. No, sir. All right. Our main topic for this week is a follow-on from last week's topic. Last week's topic, if you're listening to these out of order, which I can't even imagine living that way, but <laughs> but I imagine there might be some people who listen to things unsequentially. <laughs> Can you imagine people doing life out of sequence? Well, Shocking. Well, no, I'm twitching at the okay. thought of it. But anyway, last week we were talking about confrontation, the need for it in healthy relationships, how to confront, how to sit down with friends, you know, the step-by-step process. And we got a, a ton of feedback, which was really, really good. A lot of questions asking for some clarification. We'll go through those in a second. This week, we're going to be talking about the flip side of that coin, which is 
how to receive confrontation. Last week was how to do confrontation, and this week is about how to be the person that's confronted. But first, some follow-up from last week. Joseph asked this question. I had a question regarding HALT. We taught on this principle about you never want to confront when you're hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. I've heard you all describe the acronym and what it means several times on the show and was wondering if you might share some real-world advice on what it looks like to apply that to your life. In other words, what do you do when you realize you are tired or hungry, etc.? Do you try and fix the need first or seek the Lord or do something else entirely? Thank you so much. Um, yes, Joseph, we do. <laughs> so if if I know, for example, that I'm super hungry or I'm tired or whatever, I know that I'm not in the best place to, you know, bring something to Alan's attention or to whoever's attention that I need to confront. Right. So yes, I would go and eat and let my sugar levels get back to normal. Or yes, I might have a little nap and then process with the Lord. Okay. You know, what part of this is me? What part of this is them? You know, what part, you know, that kind of stuff. So generally speaking, when you're in halt, it's not only your worst time to confront, but it's your worst time to even process the happenings of the day to figure out if confrontation is needed. Right, because everything is a mountain. There are no molehills when you're in halt. Right. And it's a good time if you've done your life languages to look at your distress flares. Like as high shapers, our most common reaction when we're distressed is to want to criticize, eliminate, take over. That's what shapers feel when they're super distressed. Their their go-to moves, criticize, eliminate, take over. I know if either HRI are exuding those things, it's not us. It's not us behaving at our best. And we probably need to fix some physiological things. <laughs> One of the things I want to stress, however, because a lot of the questions that we got were not edge case scenarios, but like, what about this? Or what about that? And what about the next thing? And of course, last week and this week, we're talking about the optimal ways of confronting. But life often doesn't let you have your way. Like, I can think of times when it is my job to confront, and I am feeling hungry, or I am tired, and really, you just have to professionalize at that point. You just have to recognize, oh, I'm like that, and suck it up, and go through with it. Now, optimally, I would prefer not to have to do that, but I can think of times when life just doesn't lend itself that way. You know, our our schedules are so crazy that often we have to take the opportunities that we have. So again, I'm describing optimal scenarios right. You know, in this teaching. Here's the thing. If you could carry a travel pillow and a snack with you, right. then, you know, you can make almost any moment optimal because you could eat your snack or have a little nap right before you can rest. Doesn't help with the <laughs> anger or the loneliness. So that's true. That's true. You need like a stress ball and a, I don't know, a pet. A pet. There you go. Right. We're going to start selling halt <laughs> kits on alanandaj.com. <laughs> Some of the other questions that we got all were based around what do you do when the power is flowing in the wrong direction? Because again, we're talking about as leaders, as friends, as fairly confident people who in our community have a lot of responsibility and authority. So a lot of the people we're confronting are either our peers or the people that we're leading. So some of the questions we got is like, how do you do confrontation the other way? And so I've got a question they asked if I would keep their name out of it. So they said, I just listened to your podcast on confrontation. It was awesome. How do you feel about confronting pastors? I'm part of a church plant with very sweet pastors. I love them. 
There are several things that I have left unsaid about working closely with them. Is it out of line to confront them? What do you think, Mrs. Jones? Is it out of line? No, um, but maybe confronting is less of the issue and maybe just presenting how you're experiencing them. Like maybe take the, the hard edge of I need to confront them off the table and sort of bring to them more the, Hey guys, can I talk to you about how I'm experiencing you? Because I, I feel confused by X or I don't know how to process, you know, this information or this behavior and it doesn't feel safe to me. Or could I ask for some clarification yeah. on a few things? A friend of ours wrote in and said, hey, would this topic be better called giving feedback rather than giving confrontation? And I'm like, you know, I think there's huge um, overlaps between giving feedback and confronting for sure. Mm -hmm. But also when you go to the left and the right of that Venn diagram, there's very specific times when it's confrontation and also very specific times when it's feedback. My, my advice when confronting pastors is whenever you're confronting somebody and the power is going the other way, like you're confronting a boss, um, a supervisor, a pastor, a leader, a parent, whatever, you you really want to increase the grace and the humility that you're carrying. Like I have to chant to myself, I'm at my dumbest when I think I know the motives of another person's heart. Because usually we think we know what's going on in their mind or in their world, and we really haven't. So what that looks like practically is, ensuring I have removed all unforgiveness about the issue I may be going to confront, that, right. the, that the sting has gone. Or judgment of previous leaders, because we'll tend oh, to put those yes. on the people that we're looking at at the present. Explain that dynamic. Well, you know, when you judge anybody, like if you judge a leader, then often you're going to reap the same behavior from other leaders. Um, so it's really good to sort of sit back and go, hey, Lord, have I judged other leaders, you know, about this particular issue and, and repent and work that through first um, to see if it's it's more of a filter. Because often what happens is we experience something that looks like this similar experience, but the motivation isn't the same. But because of previous experience with other leaders, we think we understand the motivation of our current leader's heart. And that's not necessarily true. Right. So, you know, it's just good to sort of have a discussion with the Holy Spirit and say, is is there anything of judgment in here, Lord? Is there anything um, that actually is my part to deal with? Am I defiling them in any way? Um, and have I assumed that I know what's going on in their hearts? Yeah, I, I would hope that all pastors and to uh, an, another degree, all bosses and leaders would want feedback. I'm aware that that's not the case. I've worked for bosses where they are not open to feedback at all. And thankfully, you know, at Grayson, we've got amazing leaders, Jeff and Becky, are, are absolutely open to receiving feedback. And even in the culture that we were a part of, which is very pro-confrontation, like confrontation is not a bad thing. I'm thrilled when our leaders sit down. I feel very safe when our leaders are like, hey, could I meet with you? And I'm like, sure. And we sit down and they're like, hey, last Tuesday, I felt slighted when you said this. And I, just, I know that you would want to know about it. And so could we just talk about that? And usually I'm like, I am, you know, it's an off the cuff remark that I've made, or I haven't been aware of my tone. And they're, they've done a great job. They've got like 80% of the way in their heart of realizing what I'm believing about Alan's behavior is not true to what I know about Alan, but I can't reconcile this last 20%. Yeah. Uh, and it's great because it gives me a chance to clean, clear the air and go, oh, guys, you know, I have, 
I had no clue that 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 was the effect. Would you forgive me? And you know, it's a it's a a rewarding experience for everybody. It's it's also the only way that we get to. It's not the only way we get to grow as leaders, I suppose, but it's one of the primary ones when you can actually hear back from somebody about their experience of you and be able to go, "Wow, that's not what I thought I was doing. That's not what I thought I was conveying." So there's something that I can learn in that, and you know, again, take to the Lord and say, "God, can you help me with this?" Right. But here's the thing: even with our amazing culture. And even though I'd say that we're fairly well experienced in confrontation, in the times that we've had to confront our leaders, and when I say confront, but bring something to their attention, it's still hard. Like it's, it is. it's it is hard. hard and it requires a lot of prayer because you're like, what if this goes all squirrely and they misunderstand my heart? But I think that's the risk reward. We have a much stronger relationship with Jeff and Becky today because we've risked asking for clarification or risked. And Jeff's so good. He'll come and say, hey, did I overstep a line? I mean, he's so sensitive and so open to feedback. But But he'll also confront us, which also makes the relationship safe. Very safe. So it's, you know, it's great because I think as long as you know that the other person can be honest with you and you can be honest with them, then actually it's a safe relationship, even if confrontation is happening on a regular basis. Right. So let's just summarize if you're going to confront somebody who's in a different uh authority structure than you are my encouragement is to do it with tremendous grace tremendous tact tremendous diplomacy learn their life language if that's applicable speak through their filter speak to their heart talk about how you're experiencing their behavior ask if there's another way of doing it But please be aware, not everybody has an amazing boss who wants to know these things. So there is an element where you want to tread carefully and calculate the risk and the reward because you are part of the equation. And so you do get a say in how the culture is built. So I hope that's helpful. Uh, Another question that we got asked a lot was, what do you do with low relational equity? So in your relationships friendships, work relationships, where there isn't a lot of relational or emotional equity. And and you have to bring confrontation, you mean? You feel or? like that you, you need to bring something up. Well, I think that leads back to what Charlene had shared with us uh, via email. Yeah, our friend Charlene, who God bless her, has worked with us for many years. She had listened to the podcast and in her role at the moment, she does an awful lot of training with leaders. So Charlene said this, and I'm I'm reading from the email that she sent me. She said, in my new role, I've been learning a lot about the concept of feedback. We teach a framework called SBI, Situation, Behavior, Impact. And we actively encourage managers and leaders to create a culture of feedback. By catching people doing things right, and taking the time to quickly remind them of the situation, which is the time and place, their behavior, what they specifically did, and how it impacted you. This is the feeling part of the section. We find if we're doing this on a regular basis, we're pouring in real, relevant, positive feedback. So when we need to use the same framework to help give more corrective feedback, there's already a lot of trust, which has built a high level of relationship. I think that's brilliant. I think, again, goes back to if you're creating a culture where you're giving positive feedback as well as criticism, nobody panics when they're like, hey, I need to meet with you at two tomorrow. People are like, <gasps> you know, right. what's going to happen? Right. I remember when I used to react like that. Like if John or somebody was like, hey, could you meet me tomorrow at two? I'm like, 
gosh, could you just spring it on me four minutes before so I don't spend three days, you know, sweating it out, waiting to see what it is that I'm meeting with you about, right? you know, kind of stuff. And um, the more trust that you build in a relationship, the less that you have that. I'm not sure if I said it uh, last week or not, but it sums up what Charlene was sharing in quite a quaint way. It says, can't drive a five-ton truck of correction over a three-ton bridge of relationship. And I like that. I, I think that's great. But it comes back to what we were saying before, that again, that's the ideal goal. But again, life does not always set you up well. And that's where that metaphor breaks down. I've seen people over the years use that excuse to excuse themselves from confronting. You know, so I'll meet with my leader and say, hey, this is one of the things that you need to go confront. And then they say, okay, I'm going to set up a meeting with that person. And I say, how did it go? And they're like, oh, I just just feel like I didn't have enough relational equity to do so. And so at some point, I think, you know, while we're wanting the best case scenario, we do have to realize that we are actually grown-ups. And at some point, we just have to get on with boldness. And of course, with tremendous humility, confront one another in love. Yeah. And I think too, like sometimes when you're confronting, you're confronting because there's an urgency in the behavior and what you believe will result from that. And that would be like, I don't assess if I see you about to drive off a cliff, if I have enough relational equity to tell you it's a cliff, I'm going to tell you, hey, you know what? You're heading in the wrong direction and that's a cliff. And we can talk about whether it hurt your feelings later that I mentioned that to you. But for right now, I just want you to be safe. Right. Which that message of I care about you doesn't always come through in the lens of confrontation, does it? It usually has to be followed up. Yeah. But again, the whole reason for this is not you're a bad boy or you did something wrong. It's like this is unto greater health. I love you and so I want to bring to light something I feel like is either hurting you or our relationship. I value you or I value our relationship or I value our working environment enough to risk the relationship we have for something better. Yes. Which brings us to the topic of this week, which is how to be confronted well. Like, how do you do a good job of being the person on the other side of the table, so to speak, who's receiving the confrontation? So we have four pieces of advice for you. All right, hit me with number one. Number one is suck it up. (laughs) Suck it up. And it really doesn't need more definition than that. Just take it. Just sit there, listen, and take it. And and again, remember, you're wanting this. You, it's free research. You you absolutely want this. And I think it's important that you have to give people grace to be able to do it. And they might not do it brilliantly, but tell yourself this is going to be over shortly. I can lower the anxiety by responding really, really well. So just. Yeah. Brace yourself. And and while you're sucking it up, don't spend the whole time lawyering up about why it should have been done differently or it could have been done differently. Hear the feedback because that's the point. Somebody's been brave enough to come and talk to you about how they're experiencing you. Suck it up. And if you find yourself going to the back of your brain, which means you just want to tip the table over and storm out and (laughs) give them a list of, oh, yeah, try and... Just come to the front of your brain. Just think about something that you so appreciate about this person or about this relationship. Call to mind that thing. But again, remind yourself, like, actually, this is going to be okay. This is going to be okay. So first one, suck it up. Number Number two, two, go for it. And just listen. 
It's very similar to number one, but it, you know, people know that you're listening by seeing your eyes, by seeing a smile on your face, by seeing some nodding. Literally, you know, hold your breath, listen to what the person is saying, realize, give them tremendous grace, realize how hard it's been for you when you've had to confront people. If you're in a position of authority, and this is one of your um, workers coming to you, if this is one of your employees coming to you or one of your leaders coming to you as as you in a leadership position, you have to extend enormous grace. They're, they're being very, very bold. And um, if they've got no practice at it, which is common, they might be anxious and this might be the worst delivery mechanism ever. But just listen. L- look for the gold in what they're trying to say. My encouragement, and I've gotten into trouble with this in the past, is be really careful with questions. Sometimes I'm asking for questions for clarification, but it sounds like I'm asking questions to be defensive, right? So receive what they're saying with kindness because they could be right. Don't try and evaluate whether they're right at this moment. Just let them get the revelation to you. So number one, suck it up. Number two, listen. What's number three? Number three is... uh basically write stuff down if it's if it's appropriate and you can ask hey I, I really want to make sure that I get what you're saying and that I can take it away and process what you're saying would it be okay if I write it down so that I can have an accurate record of what you said and also you know just as somebody who has been um, confronted before by people if you can write down exactly what what the main thing is that you're being confronted by, then you can actually even go and talk to some of your close friends and that kind of stuff and say, hey, have you experienced this in me? And give them the freedom to tell you the truth, you know? Right. Um, But if you've written it down, then you can literally say, hey, somebody talked to me this week about this. Have you experienced that with me? Have you seen you know, me do that or whatever. And, you know, it's, again, it's free research, but it just helps if you can write it down, even if you can repeat it to them. So what I'm hearing you say is your experience of me is this. Thank you very much so that you can now take that and start to process that with the Lord. The other thing it does is is writing, writing things down gives your brain something to do. Like if you're feeling anxious, scared, attacked, whatever, Writing things down redirects a lot of that nervous energy and you're giving yourself a task to do. It's not that you're disengaging, rather it's helping you train your thoughts and focus. Last thing, baby. The last thing. Your job is not to respond, it is to receive. So you can respond later. Right. So you don't have to have a formulated defense. You don't have to, you can literally just say, wow, okay, I'd... I'd love to take some time to process this and you can set up a future time to, you know, whatever, apologize to, to work it through. But right now you're just receiving, you're not responding and you're not defending. The, the one exception to that is if, if it's a, an obvious oversight and you're not being triggered by it, if you're like, oh my gosh, I can totally see how you would come to that conclusion can I let you in on the behind the scenes? Like if it's something you can fix in about two minutes, by all means, you don't have to schedule another meeting. Just be like, I am so sorry. I've actually been feeling terrible. But you know, whatever it is, Mm -hmm. if if you know what the person needs or if you know what you need to do, Mm -hmm. i.e. repent, apologize, fix, by all means, go ahead and do that. We're, We're really putting in number four, the whole thing about your job is not to respond, but to receive. 
if you're in that state of like, oh my gosh, do you know that they've totally blindsided me with this confrontation? <laughs> this person's attacking me. It's horrible. Well, let's talk about that blindsided feeling we get. Because when I've reflected on the times that we've been confronted, and we've been confronted a lot, mm-hmm. which is great, mm-hmm. I've thought about the the times that it feels really hard, I can break into three fairly distinct feelings. Okay. Like like the first big feeling is when you feel like you're being attacked. Yes. And the danger with that is what we want to do is, like you say, lawyer up and either point out why their attack is not valid. Oh, here's all my excuses for why what you're saying isn't real. Mm-hmm. Or attack them back. Here's the thing, though. You have to commend them for their bravery. If you've been feeling that they do the very same thing and you've never confronted it, you need to give them credit for actually confronting you yeah, first. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And and don't be the person who's like, oh, yeah, well, you do. That's just not going to help. Let them let them have the win. You can process it later. So feeling attacked is... Oh. But I tell you what, I've been in the room with some of my heroes when they've been feeling attacked and watching them just close their mouth and let it wash over them mm-hmm. is one of the most remarkable things I've seen human beings do. Yeah. Number two under, you know, basically why it's so hard is often we feel like our motives are being questioned as opposed to our behavior is being challenged. That's a huge one. Yeah. Because nobody likes to feel misunderstood. Nobody right. likes to feel like, but you, what you're saying is that there's something intrinsically wrong with me. Right. As opposed to, this is how your behavior affected me. Right. And, but we don't hear that. We hear, you hate me and you wish I was never born. Mm-hmm. So it's like de-escalating all those feelings again. Yes. And then number three? Oh, it's number three is, I, I kind of mentioned this in number one, you feel like you need to confront back. Yeah. You know, when they're saying to you, hey, I need to talk to you about X. And you're like, are you kidding me? You're the king of X. Like, why are you confronting me? <laughs> just like, nope, let it go. Smile, say thank you. I love what Mike Bickle said. Mike Bickle said he used to give $5 to everybody who gave him negative feedback. But he said it blew up in my face because people thought I was mocking them or being funny. Mm-hmm. But I was genuinely grateful that I was getting free research so in summary yes be a person who is open to feedback if you're feeling brave solicit it go to your trusted friends and say hey i'm trying to do some self-improvement could could you tell me how you experienced me mm-hmm. right and then mm-hmm. and then follow our one two three four suck it up literally just hold your breath if it's appropriate write stuff down and number four don't respond if you practice the skill of making other people feel safe in your environment, you will find an increased ability to not only give confrontation slash feedback, but also receive it Mm -hmm. in a really healthy way. It's undoubtedly true, babe, that we are better leaders, better spouses and better friends because we have yielded, not always and not always gracefully, to the feedback that we've received. True. 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 Listen, if you have other questions about this topic, we'd we'd love to hear them. We love when we get listeners' feedback. You can ask us questions at alanandaj.com slash askalan, spell A-L-Y-N. If you want to give us feedback, anything that you've noticed, anything you would like more information about, you can go to alanandaj.com slash feedback. 
And lastly, one of the greatest things you can do for us is leaving us a positive review on the Apple Podcast Directory, previously known as the iTunes Podcast Directory, but they changed it this week. To do that, go to alanandaj.com slash review, and it will automatically redirect you to the relevant page at Apple. As ever, show notes are available at alanandaj.com slash 148. We hope you have an amazing week filled with relational health. And we will be back this time next week with an incredible podcast <gasps> yeah. with some special guests. Yep. See ya. Faith, life, communication, tacos and video games. Paleo donuts and the kindness of God are things we deal with every day. From Franklin, Tennessee, they are just like you and me, Alan, yeah. and AJ, oh, yeah. keeping up with the Joneses, keeping up with the Joneses, sharing their life experiences, oh, yeah. keeping up with the Joneses, keeping up with the Joneses, they talk about faith in God, and everything under the sun, if you are a human being, There's something here for everyone